0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. With me, as always, is a very reluctant Charles W. Chuckers Bryant. Not always reluctant. No. Always here. With me, as always. Sometimes reluctant. (laughs) Is a reluctant... Chuck How's it going, Josh? It's going fine for me. I'm, good. I'm great,
0: dude. I'm going to see Bob Dillman tonight.
1: Are you really? Living legend. With Leon Redbone or Russell? <laughs> yeah. Leon Russell, right?
0: Yeah, he's opening up, I think. I, was, I don't really
1: care about that. I always confuse him with Edgar Winner. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, Not musically, I, I just they kind of look alike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all I have to say about that. Okay. Um, Chuck... You ready? I'm ready. Okay, so um, back in November 1966. Okay. Are you, are you ready for this? We should probably say, first let me tell you, Chuck, we're going to make it through this, okay?
0: <laughs> I have PTSD from the sun podcast. We need to do
1: PTSD. I always forget that. Let me just write that down. All, All right. right. PTSD. Yes, and uh, now we're doing the moon podcast, which really, aside from the orbital dynamics, has almost no physics to it whatsoever. Yeah,
0: it's, this is... It'll be better than the sun. Okay. So but it's still a little mind numbing for me.
1: It'll be okay. We'll make it interesting. All right. So, back in November 1966, uh, there was a uh, lunar orbiter called the Orbiter 2. Okay. Because it was the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was flying around the moon, taking pictures of it for the impending moon landing that the Apollo program was leading up toward, right? Yeah, it's exciting. And it had taken uh, its last bit of film, last picture. And it actually took what's called the picture of the century, or it was at the time. It was this kind of side shot of the moon rather than from above. It was almost like from the side so you could see the elevation and everything. And It just looked like a new view of the moon. So anyway, the, the NASA controllers tell Orbiter 2, go ahead and crash land. And it did on the dark side of the moon, never to be heard from again until like a week ago when another lunar orbiter which was taking pictures for the moon base program. Mm -hmm. It's not around anymore. It got canceled.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that.
1: Um, Caught this kind of crater, a butterfly-shaped crater that's um, characteristic of a low-trajectory landing. Was that it? And um, it's exactly where NASA thought it would be. Wow. So there you go. One of the mysteries of the moon solved. The... That's kind of cool. The, the, yeah. The, this, this thing's been sitting there for, you know, 40 years. Was there a chimp or anything?
0: Like, no, nothing an like that. An old chimp?
1: But, and, I mean, you, you, just to think of this, like, lunar orbiter mm-hmm. crashed by itself, sitting on the dark side of the moon for 40 years. That's, that's lonely. It's chilling, isn't it? It is. Have you seen
0: the movie Moon? Yes. Enjoyed that very much.
1: You know, the guy who directed that, Duncan Jones, that's um, David Bowie's, Bowie's, Bowie's son.
0: Yeah, Bowie's son. Yeah. Imagine David Bowie being your dad. I want to see him perform live more than anything else ever, and I don't think he'll ever do it. Oh, he doesn't perform any longer? No, nah, he hadn't played in, uh, I think his last tour was like 10 years ago or something. Uh, and he kind of said, this is it. Huh. Come see me. I'll be on my Hawaiian island with him on. is that He lives in an island? on an island? Well, he, he has a place in Kauai. Nice. I'm sure he'd spend some time there. Very nice. All right. Sorry.
1: So, I Good guess, movie, though. Can you see we're, like, really trying to put this off? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yes, uh, the moon is a good movie, and the moon is a good um, planetary satellite to Earth. It does all sorts of cool, beneficial things
0: for Earth. Did That's you know right. that? I did. It has an influence on Earth. That's true. So let's talk about the moon, Chuck. Should we go all the way back, Josh, to the times of Aristotle? Why not? <laughs> Aristotle, Josh, as we all know, uh, believed in the geocentric model of the universe. Mm -hmm. Galileo said, no, 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 you're wrong. It's heliocentric.
1: And apparently he came to that conclusion by studying the moon.
0: Yeah. He he basically was like, the sun is the center of the universe, Mm -hmm. you jerk, not the earth. Right. And uh, they said, you know what, that's heresy, and you're going to be under house arrest for the rest of your life. Yeah. And And he's like, well,
1: I have a lot of wine and cheese in my house, so that's not so bad. And I don't
0: eat much anyway, so. Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I don't like the outside world.
0: Uh, but at first, you know, when the, I guess he had a better telescope or something because Galileo saw a lot more detail, it sounds like, than Aristotle did.
1: I don't think Aristotle had a telescope.
0: Was that the deal? I think that was. He was just was, looking at it?
1: I think Copernicus was the first one to look through a telescope. Okay. Or Galileo was before Copernicus, and Copernicus had a nicer telescope.
0: I think Galileo came after Copernicus.
1: All right. Well, then that's the way it went. We're going to get this wrong. We totally are. But continue, Chuck.
0: But the point is, uh, Aristotle thought the, the Earth was the center of the universe and the moon had uh, uh, dark spots and light spots they thought were seas. Right. Ma-
1: uh, Maria.
0: Yes. I looked up a bunch of pronunciations on this one, by the way. Maria? Yeah, no, that sounds right.
1: Yeah. And uh, the lighter spots were correctly perceived to be land or terre. Yeah, but it's all land,
0: as it turns out.
1: It it does turn out. <laughs> the moon is kind of a boring place. Yeah, you think? I think as a as a destination, yes, I think it's incredibly boring. Not a lot to do there. No. <laughs> I, it'd be cool to go there. I'm sure. sure it's the most thrilling thing in the world to do, or uh, beyond the world to do, yeah. to, to go to the moon and be on the moon. Mm-hmm. But- just, you know, being back here on Earth and, and discussing parts of it. Like, the moon as a destination is kind of boring. What the moon does, where the moon came from, I think is fascinating.
0: I do, too. And despite the fact that they were not seas, they still call the Maria seas. Yes. Sea uh, of like Tranquility. The,
1: yeah, Mar Tranquility or Mar Tranquilium.
0: etc., etc.
1: Yeah. And the Sea of Tranquility is where the um, first... Moon landing took place. Yeah,
0: they thought it looks like a nice place to land.
1: And that was uh, 43 years ago this month when we're recording. When this comes out, it'll be last month. But um, that, that um, Buzz Aldrin, right, who yeah. never gets mentioned first. Yeah, and Neil Armstrong second. How about yeah. that? Um, landed on the moon. Uh, apparently, Buzz Aldrin was the first person to um, urinate on the moon. Oh, really? Yeah, Neil Armstrong didn't. Buzz did while they were there.
0: Not on the moon, but while on the moon. While on the moon. Okay. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, And uh, you always have to church it up, don't you?
0: Well, I mean, that's disrespectful. He peed literally on the surface of the moon.
1: I think something probably really bad would happen to his physiology if he tried to pee on the moon. Well, it would float away anyway, right? Yeah, but, I mean, he'd just implode. Right. Okay. Yeah. Vacuum. (laughs) And uh, since those guys, since Buzz Aldrin first peed on the moon in 1969, um, (laughs) for the following three years, 12 other Americans set foot on the moon. Yeah, and you don't hear a lot about that. Supposedly. Uh, And (laughs) we're, as far as we know, the only people that set foot on the moon so far. Um, And they brought back about 842 pounds, which is 382 kilograms of moon rock, moon dust, and it was studied. And then that's about it? That was all they had. They were like, well, I guess we can
0: bring back some of these rocks. And that's yeah. all over. What? Yeah, I I told everybody on earth I'd bring them something, but there is <laughs> nothing here. I wonder if any if they got a little piece of rock. I'm sure they did. Surely. You sh- you should be able to ask for that, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, if you're the guy who went and got it. Yeah. The keepers. Yeah, exactly. Um and so since then, you know, since they they brought back this uh moon rock, a lot of these questions that have been around since ancient times um were settled. Just really in the last like 40 years or so. Yeah. Like, I mean, we now know, okay, for sure that there isn't water on the moon. Supposedly there could be. Mm. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> we now have a good idea, thanks to the moon rocks, how the moon was formed, which settled a, uh, a long standing debate. That's right. And, um, yeah.
0: And just being there, they found out a lot of stuff. Like, they're like, hey, this isn't a sea, it's all land. Right. About 15% of it is. Uh, the dark spots that you see the maria maria the, the maria <laughs> and uh 85% of it is the is the terra is that terra terra <laughs> and uh that's the lighter parts of the moon that you see and that's like mountainous it's crazy <laughs> steep mountains craters all kinds of things there on the terra well yeah because um the
1: earth the the earth was about four billion years ago, there were a lot of meteorites bombarding this neck of the solar system. Yeah. Right? And the Earth took as many as the moon, if not more. It still happens today, every day, meteorites hit the, the Earth. But our atmosphere burns most of them up. And the ones that made it through the atmosphere and had made a substantial impact on the Earth um, have been largely covered over by the biogeochemical processes that take place on Earth. Yeah, The moon is Utterly devoid of these things these days. So they're just craters. And has been for about the last three billion years. So just about anything that's happened over the last three billion years, right, mm-hmm. is just a few meteorites, some impacts here or there. But for the most part, the moon's surface was shaped in, about four billion to three billion years ago, and it's remained the same ever since then. Yeah. Right? In
0: addition, they think there were uh, volcanoes at one point on the moon because they noticed uh, – uh, rills, like these channel, channel-like channel depressions that they think was from lava. They found old lava flows and lava tubes. Mm-hmm. So They said, hey, looks like there were some volcanoes here at one point.
1: Yes, and that accounts for a lot of stuff on the moon, but also some of its composition as well. No soil? No, it has something called regolith, and regolith means basically like blanket over solid oh, yeah. rock, right? So um, it's really just this uh, kind of... Fine, particulate dust. Moon dust. with Mixed with volcanic glass and then mm-hmm. larger rocks, and it just covers the surface of the moon. It doesn't have soil because it doesn't have any living organisms that are required to make soil. Yeah,
0: nothing organic on the moon. Correct? <laughs> yeah. <Just laughs> uh, so they brought back these rocks. Uh, they found out that the uh, Maria, which is what we said was only 15%, the dark spots, was primary uh, that primarily that one word that we said over and over on the show? What basalt?
1: <laughs> yeah, basalt. <Buzzled.
0: laughs> and uh, that is uh, igneous rock from cooled lava. So again, with the volcanoes and the Highland regions, the mountain regions we talked about was mainly anorthosite mm-hmm. and breccia.
1: Yeah. Did you look that one up? I did. When there's a ci, or ca in Italian, that makes a ch sound. But it's C-H, makes a K sound. So it's backwards from what we might think as Americans. Mm-hmm. Pretty neat. But correct if you're in, in Italian.
0: That's right. Uh, what else, Chuck? Uh, the lunar rocks have very little water and in, in volatile compounds, uh, so they resemble the Earth's mantle.
1: Well, they have uh, very little volatile compounds or water, and then Tracy puts in as if they've been baked a little bit of like foreshadowing. That's true. Yeah, you know? that's true. Um, and also, Chuck, they found that the Highland areas are much older. Uh, the rocks in the Highland areas are much older than the um, Maria yeah. areas, right? Yeah. And so now, with all of this information, we have a pretty good idea of how the moon formed.
0: Yeah. Oh, they also had uh, they they had some uh, size uh, size seismometers, and they found that there's no there's no shifting of the plates going on. Right, no tectonic activity on the moon. There like are no moon
1: earth. quakes, and um, they also used uh, magnetometers, and they did not detect any substantial uh, magnetic field. Yeah. at the uh, around the moon, which means that it's not, it doesn't have a, a substantial iron core.
0: Right. So they're basically just trying to figure out how much is it like the Earth, in in some ways. I mean, they want to find out what it was, but they're kind of comparing because some of the old uh, previously thought reasons why the moon was there had to do with it literally spinning off of the Earth. Well, it's significant that moon
1: rocks are similar in composition to mantle rocks found on Earth. Yeah. Pretty close, um, which means to a lot of people that they're, the, the the moon has always been connected to the Earth in a lot of people's minds, right? So there's different ways that it formed, but it's always in relation to the Earth, almost except for
0: one. Yeah. So previously to the to the lunar landing, they had a few ideas. They thought maybe uh, there was the double planet hypothesis, which was the Earth and Moon formed together.
1: Yeah, because remember in the asteroid mining podcast, we I talked know. about the formation of planets. It's mm-hmm. just it starts in this uh, it starts spinning, and then everything just kind of comes together. <laughs> That's a
0: good easy way to say it. Yeah. Uh, The capture hypothesis was the Earth's gravity captured the moon as it was just cruising by. Right. That's the
1: only one where they weren't
0: related. But the Earth said, hey, we're going to hold you captive now because we like your gentle light that you cast upon us at nighttime. And then the fission uh, hypothesis, which was the Earth spun so much and so rapidly that a blob of molten Earth spun off and that was the moon. Right. That sounds a little – even in the 60s, I would have been like, really?
1: Well, I mean, think about it. If it's if it's forming and everything's just kind of loose still, yeah. I guess we didn't know as much back then. Um, so uh, all of these have been kind of shot down, right? That's right. Um, the fact that the uh, the moon and the Earth's compositions are not the same means that they probably didn't form right alongside one another because they should be pretty much the same material. Yeah. Um, the uh, Earth can't. Possibly capture something as large as the moon, as the moon, and, and keep it there. No. Um, and then, lastly, Chuck, the, the Earth has never been known to be able to spin fast enough to spin any part of it off. Right. If it were, we would be the first things off of the Earth if it could spin <laughs> that fast. Right? Not anybody, let alone a sizable chunk. Right. So what they think now is. Um, After the 70s, they came up with this thing called the giant impactor theory.
0: Yeah, and that's standing up fairly well, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's this idea that uh, another planet or planetoid or something about the size of Mars early in the Earth's formation came along and collided with the Earth with such force that it was absorbed into the Earth.
0: Well, it broke off a chunk, and then that part filled in the part that was... Was chunked off. Right.
1: It's like um, what are the what are those twins where one eats the other in the womb called? Oh uh, yeah. It's kind of like that. Mean twins. So it's like the Earth has like a, a another planet that really just looks like a teratoma with fingernails or teeth yeah. inside of it.
0: Yes. And that one that one has actually held up. They've done uh, computer simulations and they said, oh, this could have happened. Well, we left off the most
1: important part the from bacon. that impact it shot out a bunch of stuff that formed into the moon.
0: Yes, and that was uh, very hot, obviously, and it, right. and it cooled eventually, but that's why the rocks appear to have been baked. Right. That was the foreshadowing.
1: Right. Um, so the idea behind this, like you said, it, stand, it stood up. It's, it enjoys the majority opinion, right? Agreed. Um, so after this impact, as the, as the moon's spinning and forming itself into a spheroid, um, it's covered in this ocean of Magma, right mm-hmm. And this ocean of magma starts to cool and inside the core is solid outside magma. It starts to cool and everything kind of switches. The outside f- becomes solid. the inside's magma, right. And then um, after a while, the uh, there's this period of um, bombardment that I talked about of meteorites in the neighborhood. It forms all of the highlands, the craters, um, almost every feature on the surface of the moon is formed during this bombardment period. Now like, that's
0: uh, when the lava is eking out through the cracks from the that center. That came after that. Okay.
1: So this at this point the the moon has a molten core. Okay. A solid exterior. Yes. Um, and is being bombarded with meteorites. So we're seeing the stuff that that we see today uh-huh. happen, you know, 3.9 billion years ago. Then after that period, the there's a period of volcanic activity all over the okay. moon. Okay,
0: so that's when it's leaking up through the cracks.
1: And it leaks up through the cracks in the Maria areas, right, mm-hmm. which explains why there's more craters in the highlands than in the Maria because the craters were covered over by this basalt, which is so Pre- so prevalent in these areas, right? That makes a lot of sense, actually. And and then lastly, this, this volcanic activity expelled all of the heat in the moon, turning it into a dead, lifeless hulk that we know and love today.
0: Well, that sounds sad, but I love it in its current state, so I'm actually happy about it.
1: Okay, so let's talk about it in its current state, Chuck. Here's, so there's the moon. It's right there. That's how it got there. Right. That's kind of cool, like... You didn't know that before? I didn't until uh, we researched this stuff. All right. So in its current state, Chuck, it's in this um, orbit around Earth. It doesn't spin on its axis, and it's basically dragged along like, you know, a, um, a wheel mm-hmm. that's stuck. You yeah. can still drag it across the ground. Yeah, it's just not spinning. Sure. This is much the same way, but rather than in a, in a vertical orientation, this is horizontal. The, the moon is not spinning on a horizontal axis. It's being dragged around. That's right. And so that's why we only see the one side of the moon, the same side of the moon, all the time. The happy side. The side with the cheese. Well, we wouldn't know if the other side was happier.
0: (laughs) Well, that's the dark side. That's the scary side. Yeah. ask that crashed uh, lunar rover. Or not rover, but uh, orbiter. Yeah, orbiter 2. Orbiter 2. So uh, you're talking about the 29, is it 29.5 days? Or is it just 29? It's my understanding that it's 29.5. Okay. That's what I thought. Uh, sometimes it is between the Earth and the sun. Sometimes it's behind us. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about here is the moon uh, phases. That's why you'll see the crescent moon or the half moon or the full moon. Different parts of the moon are lit up by the sun depending on where it is in relation to the Earth. It's pretty simple. Yeah. And neato. Yeah. Uh, and when it's lit up and when
1: it's not lit up, there's a huge, huge difference in temperature. What was that? Was it a Futurama? It was a Futurama, where they had to get back to their transport before the uh, horizon line, the point where the sun was you know, hitting the moon, got to them, or else it was just going to vaporize them. Wow. Because the difference in temperature, the mean temperature in the shadow of the moon, if I may, I know you like stats. Please. The mean... Temperature in the shadow of the moon is negative 292 degrees Fahrenheit. That is which one is mean temperature. Negative 180 degrees Celsius. Yeah. In the sunlight, Chuck, the mean, the mean. This is the one. That's the average, right? Or is the median average? Why <laughs> did you <couldn't> say that? <laughs> the mean surface temperature in the sunlight is 266 degrees Fahrenheit. That's 130 degrees Celsius. Wow. That's quite a difference. Yeah,
0: there's like a 600-degree difference. That's the power of the sun, my friend. Right. Which we've gone over in detail. Uh, So over these billions of years, a couple of changes uh, have happened to the moon. Uh, It's moved a little further away from the Earth, and its rotation has slowed some over the years. Yes. Which, you know, that doesn't mean anything to me right now, but it's worth pointing out. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Did you talk about the, um, the different phases, like
1: the, I did, the waning and the waxing and all that?
0: Uh, well, I didn't, I didn't go over it in that much detail now.
1: Well, I, I've always just enjoyed this, right? So do you know what they call a moon that's growing toward full moon and is almost full?
0: Uh, that's waxing
1: gibbous? Yes. So remember that one. It's going on its way toward a full moon, mm-hmm. and it's, there's more moon present than there isn't. There's yes. a waxing gibbous. And then do you know what it's called when it's going toward a new moon and it's a thin little sliver? Uh, the waning crescent? Yes. If you remember waning crescent and waxing gibbous, you can name any phase of the moon just by looking at it and impress your friends. That's
0: true. Cause you also have the waxing crescent, first quarter, a waning gibbous, last quarter, and everyone's favorite, the full moon.
1: Yeah, the full moon's, that's the
0: money moon. Sure. And, you know, people say that things go wacky at full moons, but I think that we found that that is, is largely just stories, and it's not necessarily been proven. Like emergency medical, uh, emergency rooms are supposed to be, like, wacky, and people go crazy in and, and the full moon, and werewolves come Isn't out. Isn't that
1: and backed up, though, by, uh, by
0: numbers? Tracy said it's not. Um, Where did you see that? It was somewhere in here. I didn't see it. Well it's in there. Weird. Or maybe I saw it somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. But they I said it's to to it's that. pretty much anecdotal, but I thought I had seen that too, where it was backed up by numbers.
1: Well there is there's another um there's a I guess if you're a skeptic it's a crackpot theory, but there's a um a bunch of people who believe in the concept of the supermoon. You heard about that? Mm, that sounds familiar. So the the moon travels its orbit around the earth is not a perfect circle, it's an ellipse. So that means that there are points where it's as far as it can be away from the Earth and as close as it can be. So as close as it can be is called perigee, Mm -hmm. and as far away is called apogee. And it hits these once a month each, right? Right. So it's not unusual for the moon to be in perigee or apogee. And normally, when it is, it just means that the tides are higher and lower. And we'll talk about tides in a minute. That's right. But um, if it's in a full moon, and it's at perigee, mm-hmm. which means that there's more exposed, right, yeah. to the sunlight, which really doesn't mean anything, right? But it's closer, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, supposedly, what this happens like once every 19 years. Supposedly, that's linked to all sorts of destructive stuff on Earth, like earthquakes and floods and things like that. Huh? And it, you can go back and say, oh, well, the moon there was a super moon in 1954. And when in was 19- the last one? Do you know, the last one was March 19th. 2011, March 11th, 2011 was the Japan quake. Oh, uh, yeah. So people who believe in the supermoon say, there, see, Like right. we can go back and find this all the time. And then people who, who poo-poo it say, if you you're look just for linking, something, yeah, yeah, you're, you're linking two it. unrelated phenomena. Hmm. Yeah. That is very interesting. But that's the supermoon. At the very least, it sounds very cool.
0: Yeah, super anything sounds cool.
1: Right. Um, so Chuck, I said that we were going to talk about tides and I deliver on my promises. Well, you can't talk about the moon. Without talking
0: about tides. it's true. And Bill (laughs) O'Reilly. We mentioned him before, Oh, yeah, that's right, right, yeah. Uh, The moon has a gravitational force. We all know that. And it it pulls on water in the oceans. It stretches its water out and forms what's called a tidal bulge on the sides of the planet that are in line with the moon. Mm -hmm. That's the first part. Uh, The moon water obviously pulls on the side closest to it, which causes the bulge toward the moon, pulls on the earth a little bit, and drags the Earth away from the water from the opposite side, and there's another another tidal bulge, and uh, the area under the bulge, the areas of the Earth under the bulge are high tide. The areas on the thin sides are low tide. So just to make like sure, it's like clockwork. That's mind-boggling to me. Six hours, well, so twelve hours.
1: The the Moon pulls tugs mm-hmm. on the ocean. It does it tugs on the ocean <laughs> toward it, right? And it even moves the Earth a little bit. It does into the ocean a little more. So said that's another way, tide.
0: the moon actually pulls water. Yeah, and it's Earth. pretty impressive. <laughs> it is.
1: Yeah, and then on the other side, it pulls it away from the water. It pulls the Earth away from where the water is. So yes, that's low tide. And yeah, like you said, that happens every six hours, right?
0: Yeah. And the other cool thing is, it also the moon stabilizes the Earth's rotation. If it wasn't for the moon, yeah, we might end up looking like a wobbly top that's it's starting to slow down. Yes, like Inception. Yeah. Your favorite movie.
1: (laughs) So, um, you know, that that top wobbling, Tracy talks about precession. Uh Uh-huh. Where because of that that skew to its axis, the angle of its axis. Yeah. The polar star changes every like 14,000 years, I think, 26,000 years. So right Mm -hmm. now, Polaris is the North Star. Uh Uh-huh. Um, the North star in 3000 BC was called Thuban. Did you know that? No. So we're going to get another one and... AD 14,000. Vega will be... Oh, they our, already know. ...the pole star. Huh. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That is pretty cool. I hope I'm around to see it. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> There's going to have to be some significant advances in
0: longevity research. Yeah, in the next, like, 20 years.
1: Um, so what else do we have, Chuck?
0: Well, we've got eclipses, if you want to dive into that... Let's it's, it's worthy. Take it. Don't you think? <laughs> uh, when the moon passes between the sun and the earth, right? Uh, occasionally you're going to get that exact uh, alignment of the sun, moon, and earth, and that's a solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if a lot of people know this. When you have a solar eclipse, that same month, you're going to have a lunar eclipse as well. Yeah, it's like in the bag. In the bag. But uh, the moon has to be full, correct? Yeah, when the moon moon is full, right. a lunar eclipse will occur in the same month as the solar eclipse. Yes, you're right.
1: Okay. But for the solar eclipse, it's got to be a new moon?
0: Yes, Josh. New new phase only.
1: So when you have a lunar eclipse, the moon is new and it's in line between the sun and the, the earth. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when it's full, 15 days later, 14 days later, it's on the other side of the earth, you're going to have a lunar still eclipse. still lined up.
0: That makes or sense. Or lined up again, yeah.
1: And depending on where it goes into the Earth's shadow, either the penumbra, which is like a, a, an angled part of the shadow, it's not the full shadow, mm-hmm. um, or the umbra, which is the full-on shadow, it'll either be a partial or a full eclipse. That's right. And kids, remember, never stare into a solar eclipse. Right. You can stare at a lunar eclipse all night long if you want to. So we talked about will the moon save humanity? Uh-huh. We talked about lunar bases. And we talked about... um. Mining asteroids. And fake moon landing. This is like our fourth moony yeah. podcast. But I, I, I think that those should be required listening because you know there's there's this there's an idea that there's possibly ice that was missed on the moon. There's a cup been a couple of um the Clementine probe in nineteen ninety four found evidence of it. Yeah. And then a more recent one said, Yeah, that's probably ice right there. Which would probably good deal. Well, yeah. It probably got there from like comets or something else. But mm-hmm. there's ice on the moon. And if there is, then that means that we have water mm-hmm. and fuel on the moon for a moon base, which is very yeah.
0: exciting news. It's a lot cheaper apparently to if you had a moon base to send off a rocket from the moon than it would be from the Earth. Plus you can be like, I got a moon base
1: and that's just cool.
0: Yeah. You know? Way cool. It sounds so sixties. Unless you see the movie Moon. And that wasn't very cool at all. No, that was man, very that was lonely. A
1: movie. All right, good Moon movies. What you got? Uh, well, Moon. Okay, me too. What else is there? Moonraker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Paper Moon. <laughs> that your gray, favorite movie. Yeah.
0: Moon River. That's a song. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I bet there's been a movie called Moon River. If not. I'm going to make breakfast it. Breakfast
1: at Tiffany's. <laughs> you think you remember the film?
0: Breakfast at Tiffany's?
1: I love that movie. Well, that's one thing we've got.
0: Okay. (laughs) Wow. What song is that? Breakfast at Tiffany's. Is that the name of it? Yeah. By that awful band. who I hope doesn't listen to this show. (laughs) Uh, Sorry, that was a sidetrack. So um, the reason we mentioned that they they found what they think might be ice is because that's pretty important because um, President Bush was gung-ho to go uh, find out and potentially – get on the moon again. Mm -hmm. Obama came in in 2010 in February and canceled the Constellation program, right? which uh, (laughs) I looked into because my first thought was, you know, I'm a big fan of of our president. And I thought, well, that stinks. (laughs) I wanted to go back to the moon. Right. And I think there's there's it's worthy to do so.
1: Oh, we will. It'll just be private companies that get there.
0: Exactly. That's what he he says, at least as he ordered a review and found it to be Behind schedule and over budget, and just not a very lean program. Mm-hmm. And so, hey, let's extend the International Space Station for about five years, give NASA about six billion bucks, and then see if we can get some private companies to start shuttling astronauts up there. Yep. into the private sector. Yeah. So we'll we'll see what happens. Neil Armstrong is against that, but Paul's, Buzz Aldrin is for it. Really? Yeah. So uh, I don't know if they're duking it out or what. But how do you feel about it? I don't know. I mean, uh, I think uh, if the private sector could get involved, then that's that's good. That's companies making money. It is, but
1: I like I, I tend to think of like the moon as a part of the Commonwealth of Humanity. You know, like that. Yeah. it just seems like you shouldn't you shouldn't apply capitalism to the moon. Yeah,
0: maybe not. But what you know, China might get there and set up camp and be like. No, no, no. China will get there. They are spending a significant
1: amount of money. They're building their own international space station. Actually, it's just a national space station because it's just theirs. Yeah. So, yeah, they'll be on the moon The soon. national
0: space station. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's uh, – I mean, do we have an article on who owns space? I know we have who owns the oceans. We did yeah, that, we but, did. I mean, that's a – valid thing
1: well, let's find out
0: what if china got up there and they're like this is ours now yeah you can see it all right we got through that
1: all right well that's the moon if you want to learn more about the moon and seriously there's some really handy graphs and illustrations in this type in moon in the search bar at howstuffworks.com and that brings up listener mail
0: hold on there partner <laughs> uh, we are going to plug our new audio book that is available on iTunes, The okay. Super Stuff. It's called The Super Stuff Guide to Happiness. Yeah. Features interviews and uh, Josh's niece, a very <laughs> cute niece, and um, what else? Uh, great sound design. Yeah. Uh, we talked
1: to Eric Wilson, who yeah. wrote the book Against Happiness, mm-hmm. awesome uh, Wake Forest professor.
0: Yeah, great interviews in this one.
1: Yeah. Um, and we, we talked to a bunch of great people. Uh, and just really got into what is happiness, what makes us happy, how do, how can we possibly study happiness? Yeah, and just came up with some pretty good answers. So iTunes, it was, it's worth it. It's worth the 3.99. It is, or more in Australia.
0: Or if it makes you feel better, divide that 3.99 over the 340 something shows. Oh yeah, that's a good. Point. And pff, you ain't paying nothing.
1: That's almost <laughs> just like a penny a show. Yeah, yeah, huh? not even. Except in Australia, where it's going to be more like a a show.
0: Yeah, we, we're going to work that off over the next couple of years Yeah, to our Aussie friends.
1: So uh, it's on iTunes, the Stuff You Should Know Super Stuff Guide to Happiness. And when you search that on iTunes, it'll probably bring up the uh, Super Stuff Guide to uh, the Economy, which is pretty good listen, too, if you ask me. Agreed. Um, and now that we've done this, and we did it shamelessly. That's right. Uh, it's time for Listener Mail again.
0: Josh, we called for a karma off Send us your karma stories I'm going to read one And uh, this is from a dude in a band That I'm actually a fan of Okay Their name is Fang Island And they're awesome And they're based in Brooklyn, New York now Although they're originally from Rhode Island And uh, Jason Bartell of Fang Island Wrote in and said this I've been enjoying the podcast for a while I'm in a touring band Spend way too much time in the van So I welcome the opportunity to keep my brain occupied So thanks And if people wrote in with lots of karma stories, and if you think I'm just reading this because I'm a fan of this guy's band, then you're right. (laughs) So I apologize if you think your story was better. Uh, He went to college in Providence, Rhode Island, was driving home to New Hampshire one holiday weekend, and nearing the end of the trip, there's a toll there, and I had zero money in my wallet, and I was stuck in line. It was too late. In hindsight, I was probably overly panicked because the penalty for not having enough money at a toll in New Hampshire is probably pretty minuscule. Like, they probably would have said, don't worry about it. They're really nice up there, you know? Yeah? You ever been
1: there? Yeah. No, I have not been in New Hampshire, but I assume they're very nice. Yeah,
0: Vermont. They're all just, like, super nice folks. Nevertheless, I started sweating. My heart was racing. I began scrounging for loose change, to no avail. Uh, One long-shot scenario that crossed my mind was maybe the car in front of me would pay for me for some reason, but I dismissed it, so I uh, barely knew that I had even thought it. But when it came time for me to face the music, it turns out this is exactly what happened. The operator said the car in front of me covered my fare and said to have a nice day. I was stunned. I have no idea still why they paid for me. I even sped up alongside them to give them a thank you. And waved my gun at them and told them yeah.
1: to pull over because I wanted to ask
0: them. But they never acknowledged me. Uh, normally it would be stone cold case of luck, except that I have actually done this before for other people in the past when I felt randomly charitable. Uh... I realize this is probably the very definition of the simplified New Age interpretation of karma that you were talking about, but I was just struck by the almost cute one-to-one ratio of this particular karmic transaction. And that is Jason Bartell of Fang Island, who is a great band. They got a 8.3 review on their debut album on Pitchfork, which is really wow. high. Pitchfork, they're not kind to bands usually. Nice. Well, that's not true. They they review how they review Right, but an eight point three is good. They're not sick of fans. They are not. They will, they will trash your record if they don't like it. So they're uh they're awesome, I and mean, go see them. They're on tour, I think. I said they might be coming through Atlanta this fall, so maybe. Do you we'll... do you want to say their name again? Fang Island. Okay. They opened up for Flaming Lips a lot on this last tour, so that should tell you something cool. about their their sound. Very cool. Do they sound like the Flaming Lips? Though? No, I mean a lot of it's <laughs> instrumental. I mean they're just insanely talented and. Uh, their self-described sound is, quote, everyone high-fiving everyone. Nice. <laughs> and he's kind of right.
1: That sounds like uh, how I would describe the Go team.
0: Uh, yeah, they, they have been compared to them, although this is like a three-guitar onslaught. Nice. But it's like happy music. It's not like uh, explosions in the sky gotcha. type of instrumental stuff. I got gotcha. you. And they got words, too. It's just not like first-course type of songs. So. Are they like lions and scissors? Very unique. <laughs> Goodness me, that was a plug and a half. Well,
1: if you have a band that you think Chuck likes, he wants to hear
0: about it. I really do, actually. I don't like... Like, what if one of my heroes listens to the show, and, I, and I'll never know. Or what if
1: it's an, a new band that you've never heard of yet? Well, that too. Okay. You should contact Chuck. Like David Bowie, what if he listens? Uh, David Bowie does not listen. You're right. <laughs> You can contact Chuck and me. We're both on the same email address. You just need to uh, direct it toward us at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com.
0: Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join How Stuff Works staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow.